Hello and welcome back to the Broken Orbital MMA podcast. My name is Jack, I'm your host. This is the first pre-drinks that we're having. Um, this is UFC Fight Night. And Kalaev versus Santos, or it's the other way around, I suppose, isn't it? Thiago Santos is the high-ranked dude, but you know what I mean. Thiago Santos, Magomed and Kalaev screwing off in the £205 division. This is my quick preview. Um, I did try and do this last night and had some technical difficulties, unfortunately, um, after recording. So I'm having to redo this. Uh, and it's the day of the fight, so not ideal. Um, but I don't I want to cop out. I want to get out of there anyway, um, just to try and get a bit of rhythm going. And um, yeah, I've done a bit of research for this, so I don't want to let that go to waste. So let's get out of there and, and do it. Um, if you enjoy this thing, if you enjoyed the uh, the hangover for Covington and uh, Masvidal as well, please go check that out if you haven't already. And um, yeah, interact with us, share about, like, comment, subscribe, follow on all the various platforms. You can get this podcast anywhere on all the major podcast uh, streaming services from uh, Apple to Spotify, um, even like Samsung. <laughs> I don't know if Samsung done podcasts, but they do. Um, yeah, anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to leave this intro too long. So let's uh, let's just jump right in and, and chat about the main event and see what we're looking at. So Magomed Ankalaev, I'm going to talk about him first because he's someone who I was really high on um, a number of years ago. I remember when he fought, and it wasn't ACB. It was um, it was something else. It was like a WFCA or something. Uh, that eventually merged with with ACB, but they were very similar kind of promotions way back then, and obviously now they're ACA. The WFCA part is why it's now ACA. I think it's uh, Ahmat, uh, which is in Russia, somewhere in Russia, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, yeah, Magomed Ankalaev was a real deal there, and as somebody who was just, at that point, you know, I was obsessed with MMA, and I was getting into it. Um, I was watching everything that I could, and as obviously I still do, uh, yeah, WFC was one of those things, and he was fighting a guy called Wagner Prado, who I think was champion there in, uh, in ACA. Or not ACA, you know, WFCA. He was a UFC vet. He fought Phil Davis, of course, Mr. Wonderful. Um, they fought once, I believe there was a no contest, and then they fought again, and Phil Davis, I think, submitted him in the UFC. Like, the Wagner Prado was like 8-0 coming into the, the UFC at that point, all those years ago. Had those two fights with Phil Davis. I think he fought again, I can't remember against who, and then he got cut. But he was like a real legitimate guy, and he went back and bounced back, and you know, um, yeah, won one. I think he won the WFCA title, uh, and then uh, a young Magomed Ankalaev came up and uh, battered him and finished him very, very uh, candidly. And of course, then from that point onwards, Magomed Ankalaev in his next fight fought against Maxim Grishin, or maybe it was the one before. I can't remember. But he fought against Grishin, who, of course, is, is familiar to to you know people who are watching the UFC just now. He's, he's a guy in the you know, fought William Knight um, very recently, just in the last pay-per-view, I'm pretty sure it was. So, yeah, and he's a, he's a very good fighter as well. Point is, Magomed Ankalaev's a tough guy, he's a very good fighter, and he's somebody who I thought way back when, watching him and his top pressure, like, see the bombs he would throw from those top positions, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. I was looking at Magomed Ankalaev and thinking, right, this guy is, you know, if he can get you down and he gets in your mount, like the the power that he possesses and the bombs that he throws, like some of the most powerful I'd ever seen when I was watching him. So yeah, he's someone who I, I really did think was kind of championship material. You know, there's a few guys in that kind of you know Russian ACB scene um, at the time. You know, him Peter Yan as well, someone who I was really high on. Uh, Magomed Magomedov. You know, he's uh, of course fighting in, in Bellator now. Askar Askarov, who I think possibly by the end of this year could be um, could be the champion. 
so yeah, Magomed Ankalaev, just another one of those guys. And um, his UFC career has been it's been good. You know, obviously he's only dropped that one loss, and I still to this day um, <laughs> kind of can't believe the, the the loss that he dropped. You know, it's still one of them that, that baffles me. Of course, he yeah, dropped that loss to uh, to Paul Craig, uh, to Paul Craig in his UFC debut. Um, and I, I, you know, as a Scotsman, as a, as a Paul Craig fan, I remember when I kind of hearing that matchup, and a lot of people, you know, to them, Magomed Ankalaev was an unknown. You know, he was a guy who had never fought in the UFC before. He was coming off of you know, the, the kind of Russian scene. Um, people were very unfamiliar with him and I was one who was certainly familiar with him because I'd been tipping him to, to be the UFC champion. Um, so yeah, I remember absolutely, I couldn't believe it. And I was, I was gutted because I thought Paul Craig was, was going to be, uh, was going to get battered and he did for 14 minutes and 59 seconds. <laughs> and then he pulled up that Hail Mary uh, triangle choke. But yeah, since then, Mago Ben of course, he's bounced back and he's, uh, what has he won? Six, seven in a row now. Um, you know, he, he, I think all, most of them, I think half of them maybe by finish as well. Um, you know, fought a few guys and then he, he got to those Eon Kutilaba fights. And Eon is a very great fighter, of course. Um, I think he's a top 15 guy, just about. And um, yeah, they fought on the, uh, it wasn't that long ago now, really. So Mago Ben only just kind of really getting his big break, if you know what I mean. He had those Ankele, uh, sorry, he had those Kutilaba fights. Um, they're on the rematch, of course. He won it again in the first round. And he goes and fights Nikita Krylov, who is, is pretty volatile. And that Nikita Krylov on his days like a top five guy. And then, you know, he, he kind of bad days where he looks terrible. But yeah, Ankalaev, you know, beats him handedly there. And then, of course, we um, get to fight Ireland last year. Defeats Volkan Ustamir. Um, again, a, a fight which I definitely expected Ankalaev to win. And he's got a big chance now against Thiago Santos to really, you know, break into the top five, I suppose, isn't it? This is his fight to, to kind of get there. He's not really in the top five right now. Um, if you know about Thiago Santos as well, of course, um, he's he's in a, a weird spot, I guess. You know, of course, he, he moved up to, uh, to 205 uh, a few years ago. Um, won a few in a row, fought Jimmy Manoba. Uh, I think it was in Canada, December 2018. I think that Max Holloway card, I can't quite remember. But yeah, he fought um, Jimmy Manoa on the main card there, got the knockout on the pay-per-view. Um, and then he fought Thiago Santos in the Czech Republic in Prague, uh, I think early 2019. I think that was maybe, was it not, for Shevchenko not maybe on that card? And then she pulled out, I can't remember. But the main event was uh, Blahovic and Thiago Santos. And of course, that was a title eliminator at the time. Thiago Santos won that fight. He defeated Jan Blahovic in the third round by TKO. And then he got the title shot against John Jones. And it's interesting now because you look at Jan Blachowicz and obviously he, he's not the champ anymore, but but he lost that fight and found his way back to the title and, and obviously won it. Um, but yeah, after that, he fought John Jones in uh, in Vegas that summer. UFC 239, of course, we all remember that card. And he pushed John Jones right down to the to the wire. You know, he ended up losing a, a split decision. Um, and then since then, you know, he's lost two... Um, to Glover Teixeira and Alexander Rakic, who of course are the champion and one of the top guys in the world respectively before bouncing back in October there and uh, taking out Johnny Walker. So he's in an interesting spot when you consider his age and I think you consider his kind of position in the division. Um, like because he lost to Glover, who ended up winning the belt and because he lost... And by the way, he did pretty well against Glover. He had, he had moments in that fight where he was looking good. Um, and then he loses to Alexander Rakic, which is like fair enough. I think Rakic is also a top five guy. The, those wins, um, sorry, those losses aren't 
severe enough to kind of drop him out of the rankings or drop him out of the top five, defeats Johnny Walker to kind of maintain his position. Um, but as, I don't think he really has a top five, did I think he's kind of had his moment. You know, I, I think those John Jones, the, that John Jones fight, I think has, um, did that rupture his ACL? I'm pretty sure it did. Um, yeah, obviously the biggest one of the biggest controversies about John Jones and about his oblique kicks are the kind of long-term lasting damage that fighters can sustain from them. And I think that's something that's pretty evident. And, uh, you know, with Thiago Santos, you know, the damage that he took, man, the, the blows he was taking to the knees that fight, of course, changed the fight and um, probably have impacted his career in, in the long haul. So I, I don't think Thiago Santos is ever going to be as good as he was. I think that's always going to hinder him. I think that's always going to be hanging over him. Uh, going into going into this one with with Magomed and Kalayev, so, uh, I think. Yeah, I just don't really know what the matchmaking thought he, the process was here because he's held on to his rank, and I suppose fair enough. But you're, you're feeding him to someone like Magomed and Kalayev who's a young up and comer. I guess this is what they're trying to do: is see if Magomed and Kalayev has he got this? Because there is ways for Thiago Santos to win this fight. You know, like when Magomed when uh, Ankalaev is in you know striking range, he's um. He doesn't put a lot of pressure on you, which is a little weird when you consider what he does in the wrestling and how dominating he has when he, you know, in terms of getting the fight to the ground. But when you are on the feet, he isn't the most pressurizing of, of fighters. Um, he will give you a bit, of, a bit of breathing space. He will kind of let you um, find your range a little. Um, but at the same time, I do believe that he's not the greatest striker in the world, but I think that's what the, the point of his striking is. Um, he's a sniper. You know, he's not a volume striker. He's not pressuring you, but... Megaman Ankalaev doesn't mind striking with you on the feet. He doesn't mind letting you kind of lead the dance and picking you off from the outside and landing those shots. And he does a really good job of that. Um, you know, you've seen that against Ion Kutalaba, um, you know, not that long ago. I think that was a perfect example of it in that in that second fight. So, yeah, I just, I, I don't see how Thiago Santos wins this one. I think he's going to get put on his back here at times. I think he's probably going to get caught, uh, tagged coming in. You know, he's not somebody that's necessarily been knocked out or anything. I think the last person to finish him, well, I know Glover did, but I think the last person to kind of finish him um, via knockout or technical knockout was David Branch, I'm pretty sure, uh, on that Barbo Salee card, which was in um, New Jersey, I'm pretty sure. That was a very good card. That was a great fight night card. Remember that? That was brilliant. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the last time he was finished um, via punches. So... It's not like he's someone who I can sit and go, well, we know as his chin, this and that, but I think as well, like you've got to look at the um you've, you've got to look at the weight difference as well. You know, like is he a small middleweight? No. Not necessarily, but like you know, he's a guy who fought sorry, is he a small light heavyweight? Not necessarily, but he was a middleweight. You know, and he was a guy who came up and it's a twenty pound gap as well. It's not the same as a featherweight jump into lightweight or as a, even the same as a lightweight jump into welterweight, you know. It's a 20 pound gap, it's massive. And you even look at guys like Izzy, who made the jump, of course, last year. He came in under the limit, right? So it's a big jump. Um, and I'm sure obviously he's filled out now. Hit 205, he's been a 205 for years, but yeah, he's gonna be smaller than Magomed Ankalaev. I think he's probably got the better technique when it comes to, to being on the feet, but I do think Thiago Santos is probably gonna lead the dance. I think he will have, you know, I think there's there's avenues for him to win this fight on the feet. Um, but I do think that he's probably going to get caught off Magomed Ankalaev. I think he's going to get taken down multiple times, and he may not get finished. He's a tough cookie. You know, we've seen that in those John Jones fights, but I think the wrestling's going to be the difference here. I think Magomed Ankalaev will get him on the ground and he'll work with him. Um, 
yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna see Magomed Ankalaev take this one relatively convincingly. I think Santos will have moments. I think he might even sneak around in there, maybe like a 49, 46, maybe even a 48, 47. But yeah, my official pick here is Magomed Ankalaev. I think he's going to get this one done. And for me, he's champion and waiting. And this is, I suppose, one of his well, his biggest test to date, really, isn't it? It's to see whether he's top five or not, because I think there, there has been some doubts about his ability from some people. Um, but I'm going to back Ankalaev to kind of to silence them and, and to get the job done here. All right, co-main event, and these Vegas cards, these Apex cards, I think you, you've seen sometimes the standard drops, are, you know, a fair amount, and we, we are kind of left with poor main cards. I do like this card, though. Um, I think this is a... Can, compared to what we've been having, what we've been getting, sorry, this is, a, this is quite a good one. And the co-main event is a very worthy fight night co-main event. We've got Magic Marlon Mirage taking on Song Yadong, and this is a... This is a make-or-break fight for both guys, right? This is a big one. And let's talk about Marlon Marais first. Of course, he's on a three-fight skid, which is very important to, to consider. Um, he was someone who was always one of the top guys outside of the UFC, right? When he was at where World Series of Fighting, when he was in there, uh, you know, he went on... Uh, he defended his belt, like, loads of times. He, he had maybe one or two weight issues, I think. But, um, yeah, he, he was utterly dominant. I think he fought in the first ever World Series of Fighting card. Um... You know, he won the, the title and he just defended it like four or five times before he finally got to the UFC. But he was one of those guys who we were looking at outside of the UFC and we were thinking, right, he's someone who's going to make, he's someone who could potentially make noise in the division right here, right now. And um, yeah, he's done a good job, I think, of kind of waiting and, and you know, doing work outside the UFC, defeat like Sashima Marais and stuff, out where else he's fighting. Done a lot of growing as a fighter. Yeah, mind got a plethora of finishes. I think he finished most of his fights over there as well. So, Done his, done his work there. Finally gets a call um, for the UFC. I think he fought in Rio against Rafael Asunso and uh, lost that fight via split decision, but he bounced back. It went on like a three or four fight win streak, including getting one back over um, Rafael Asunso in, in a main event, which I think also might have been in Brazil. Um, but in between there, I think he defeated Jimmy Rivera. I think he defeated Aljamain Sterling um, with, a, with a knee. I'm pretty sure it was, was the strike that got him. And he worked his way to that vacant title with, uh, after TJ Dillashaw, of course, um, was suspended. The title was vacated. He fought Henry Cejudo and he worked really well in that first round. He, he got going and I think that was the first proper glimpse of seeing the, the biggest hole in his game at first glance and that was his cardio. Marlon Marais, we know what he's like. He, he's a, a fantastic kicker. His kickboxing is great. Um, you know, he's, he's wonderful with his legs, um, but he kind of really, really, really knuckles down uh, when, when throwing those strikes. I think he puts a lot into them, and I don't think he can kind of maintain the pace that he does, you know. But, he, I mean, like, and then I think we've seen that in that Sahuro fight. He got off to a great start in that first round. He had a lot of success, and then, you know, as we go into the, the second and the third, he starts to slow down. Henry takes over. He's got the gas tank, and Henry gets to finish at the end of that third round, and that's life. You know, that's how it goes. Um, and yeah, yeah, but I think that was the first time we've really seen that. And then, you know, you, you go with the, the next fight against Jose Aldo on pay per view and the, the Usman Covington 2 card. Um, I think a lot of people actually felt that Jose Aldo won that fight, including myself. Marlon got the nod there. He then fights Corey Sanhagen, and I mean, that was a phenomenal finish from Corey Sanhagen. Fights Rob Font, loses that as well. And then in the Mrab. Mirab Zabajvili card, I think he also, if I can remember correctly, he started okay and he, he got going with a, a few combinations before eventually Mirab takes him out, you know, and he, he does slow down and Mirab wears him out, you know, we know what his style is like. 
Um, he's just that sort of a fighter. I think we are seeing now that Marlon Moraes has a very glaring weakness in his game, and it's something that I think is probably going to get exploited here off of Song Yadong. Um, don't get me wrong, Mar- Marlon Moraes is obviously still, as I said, he's technically he's fantastic on the feet. He's got great kicks, fantastic kickboxer. If he starts, you know, if he kicks well and if he sets up his combinations, then he's a da- he's as dangerous as they come. You know, once he kind of starts firing on all cylinders, I, u- I know I use that term a lot when it comes to very technical strikers, but it's true, right? If he gets in a rhythm and he gets going and he's setting up his combinations and, you know, he's feeling that, he can knock you out. The issue is, though, is that it feels like Marlon Moraes now has got five, maybe ten minutes to really put a stamp on things, to really get you uncomfortable, to really hurt you in the in the fight. Um before he's going to start inevitably slowing down. And before then, if you're clever enough, you can start taking over. And I think that's the issue now. We're seeing that with a lot of Marlon Moraes' um, opponents that he's fighting. And if you look now at Song Yadong, um, of course, made his debut, uh, I think in Shanghai. I think it was the Bisping card. Remember Bisping fought Kelvin Gasly? He got that. He took a really quick um, kind of last paycheck fight against Kelvin Gasly uh, in Shanghai. He made his debut on that card and... He got off to a flyer. That Alejandro Perez fight is the one that sticks out to me. I think that was also on UFC 239, the, the Jones Santos card. Um, yeah, he was really good in that one. He, he knocks out Alejandro Perez in that fight. Draws with Corey Stamen. Corey Stamen. Cody Stamen. Um, and then I think he fought Chito Vera, wins that fight, loses to Kyler Phillips, defeats Casey Kenny, and obviously he's coming off of a big win at the end of last year over Julio Arce with his um with that head kick. Uh, knockout or the head kick I think it was followed up by punches yeah Song, Song Yadong is um, a very good fighter uh, he, he's a good striker he's not like super powerful by any means but he, he kind of knows he's very clever at making reads and he's very clever at kind of knowing when to turn it on right knowing when um, you know knowing when to kind of bite down and on his punches you know what I mean bite down his mouth guard sorry and um yeah, you know, throws punches. He, he's very clever when it comes to that sort of side of his game. And I think that's something that's really going to help him in this fight with Marlon Moraes. As we said, you know, Marlon Moraes, is, he slows down. You know, he's probably going to slow down. There's a big window of opportunity here and this one for Moraes, but I just think that Song Yadong, is, he's too intelligent on the feet. As I said, you know, he's very clever. At, he understands he's not the most powerful of the guys and he, he's very good at making the, the, you know, understanding when, understanding the triggers to throw those heavy shots, understanding the triggers, when to let it go. And I think, as I said, the Alejandro Perez fight was a perfect example of that. You know, he made the read, he knew when he threw the strike and he got the, the clean knockout in that one, you know. Julio Arce as well in his last one, he, he done that as well. But he's also got the cardio to go the distance, you know, Casey Kenny, Cody Stamen, Chito Vera, even, you know, the losing uh, losing the fight to Kyla Phillips. Those are all, like, Kind of, you know, top 15 guys, maybe just outside the top 15 of a very stacked bantamweight division. And Song Yadong is absolutely in that same category as those guys. But point is, he went the distance with these guys and he won three out of the four of them. Well, he won two out of the four of them and drew drew one of them and lost the other. But yeah, they were very competitive fights and he was right in there. Um, yeah, I, I just think that I, kinda, I can't see Marlon Moraes winning this in a round. You know, I think I'd give him a round here before he's going to start to slow down and before Song Yadong picks up the pace and is clever enough to make the reads, and I think he will do it. I think Song Yadong, I'm going to guess he finishes him in this one. I think he's probably going to finish him in the second or third round. I'm going to go with China's Song Yadong here to get the win. And, um, yeah, I think in general, this is a fight that I don't think is going to go the distance. I'd be pretty shocked if it did, um, just kind of based on how volatile 
Muller Mirage can be. I think that's very problematic um, on his part. So yeah, I don't think this is going to go the distance. I think Song Yedong um, is favourite, relatively heavy favourite. I think there's a reason for that. I'm going to I'm going to go with China's Song Yedong here to uh, to get the win and uh, really crack into the top ten. And for Marlon Moraes, yeah, I mean, where he goes from here, where does he go from here? I don't know. You know, if he loses this fight, then you know he he's looking. He's fighting guys outside the top fifteen. You know, he's fallen out of the rankings near enough completely. So make a break for these two guys. But I'm going to pick China's Song Yedong. Right, I'm going to just try and rattle through the main card and hopefully not spend too long waffling on it, um, considering we're kind of short for, for time anyway on this one. Um, Super Sadiq Yusuf versus Alex Caceres. Caceres is one of those guys who's been, uh, you know, we've been watching for like the, the best part of the last decade, right? And he's always kind of been relevant. Like, he's always been in the UFC. I mean, he's not been cut or anything. And he's actually found his best form ever, really, isn't he? Right in this five-fight win streak. Um He's live in this fight. He's a live dog in this fight, I think. Um, especially kind of the fact that, you know, I think he's like, what, plus a thousand to win by submission or something in this one, which is quite mental because he can definitely do it. I'm going to go with Sadiq Yusuf, though. I, I just think he's can take a leaf out of his um, former foe, Arnold Island's book here. And I think he's just, he has like a top 10 guy in his division. And I just don't think that's serious as that. He's quick. He's very technical on the feet, very slick on the mat. Um, Khalil Roundtree Jr. versus Carl Roberson. Why is this on the main card? Uh, I don't know who to pick here because I actually think Carl Roberson's a really good striker, technically. Uh, you know, I think he fought Brendan Allen in his last fight, which is a tough outing for, for anybody. You know, Brendan Allen's a really tough guy. Uh, not the most impressive. I think Carl Roberson is obviously his issue with his wrestling. He cannot wrestle to save his life. I, I can't wrestle and I think maybe I could beat him. I was, you know, it's a joke. Um, but yeah, he can't wrestle. But for, I think for all that, his striking is very technically good, which is is interesting for Carl Roberson. Um, so yeah, I I quite like him in a fight with a guy like Khalil Rountree, who just is very inconsistent and, you know, typically doesn't doesn't make the best of things. Obviously, Khalil's not going to wrestle him in this fight. Khalil's going to strike with him, and I think you definitely give Rountree the power advantage. Uh, in this fight, but I think I'm going to go I'm going to go with the slight favourite, I'm going to go with, with Carl Roberson here, I just think he's a better striker I fancy him to get the better of the exchanges but um, yeah, I don't necessarily like this fight all too much, we've got Drew Dober and Terence McKinney, a big big quick turnaround for T-Rex and a big fight for T-Rex as well, the UFC definitely now starting to push him and we all love Terence McKinney, he's a hero on online on MMA Twitter, you know he's fighting against Drew Dober, a guy who had a little bit of a surge over the past kind of couple of years, of course. You know, he fought Alexander Hernandez. Uh, I, I kind of got into those rankings and then he, you know, he fought Islam Makhachev, as you do. And, um, you know, uh, we, the rest is history, right? Another guy, Drew Dober, who had been in the UFC for a long time. Again, probably almost, I'm just getting old, probably almost a decade now because I remember him in the UFC way back when. I remember him fighting the likes of... Um, Scott Holtzman, even before then, I think he fought, what, Efran Escuerdo, of course, the Mexican. I think he fought Sergeant Nick Hine as well in Germany. I'm sure. I'm not old by any means, but I've been, I've been around this sport for a little while. Um, yeah, so Drew Dover was there and he was never anything special. He was never anything special. Lost to the likes of Bill Darius. Um, got wins over Frank Camacho. I think he lost to Olivier Aubin-Mercier as well. But yeah, here he is now. He's... um. 
He's got a fight against um, T-Rex, which was meant to be Ricky Glenn, I'm sure. Rick Glenn. Uh, T-Rex comes in on short notice, and I like Terrence McKinney. Definitely showed his submission skills in there against um, Ferris Ziam a couple of weeks ago. I I'm going to go for Drew Dober, though. I just think he's obviously said the full camp. Um, and he should be, he just getting more experience. He should be more well-rounded. You know, he's got 35 fights. Um, he's a high-level, you know, jiu-jitsu player. So he's got a brown belt in there. He's fighting out of a good team over in, uh, over at Elevation as well. So he's going to have a good camp going for him. Yeah, I'm going to take Drew Dober in here. I think he's going to get the win. I think he's just going to be too well-rounded and he's going to be too much too soon for Terence McKinney. I think I props him for taking this fight and I'm sure he'll be back. And I'm sure, he, you know, even if he does lose this, we will see more of him. And he, you know we get back to a spot like this, but just a little too much, too soon for uh, for my liking there. All right, and to we'll round out the main cards, um, you're going to be shocked when I say striker versus grappler matchup between Alex Pereira and Bruno Silva, but there is. I know Bruno Silva has got 22 wins in his MMA career and zero come by way of submission, but if he's going to win this fight, you'd think he's probably going to get him to the mat. Listen, the fact that Bruno Silva has got to this point in his career. Winning, you know, going 22 and 6, 19 of which have come by knockout. Zero by submission. Super impressive because he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He's a very high level Jiu Jitsu player. And he, you imagine he's probably going to need this in this fight with Alex Pereira, of course. You know, Pereira's coming in. He's the guy who knocked out Izzy in kickbox. And he's, you know, he's going to come up and, you know, they're going to be a great story between him and, and Izzy Adesanya. And they're going to fight for the belt. And it's going to be wonderful. Bruno Silva is a tough guy. He's a top 15 guy, in my opinion. Um, I would like to have seen him maybe fighting a guy in the top 15. I think he's earned it. You know, he's, what, 300 pounds now in the UFC. Um, even, you know, he's you look at you look at him outside of the UFC. Artem Frolov, who's in Bellator now. I'm pretty sure he's in Bellator now. Great fighter. Alexander Shlomenko, another great fighter. You know, he comes into the UFC. Wellington Terman, who, of course, just fought there. Jordan Wright, Andrew Sanchez. He's beaten guys. Now he's he should be in that top 15. He's taken on Alex Pereira. I'm just going to pick Pereira because Bruno Silva says he's not coming in here to grapple. He's coming in here to stand and bang with him. And I do think even Jordan Wright, you know, he caught Pereira with some nice shots. Sorry, he caught Silva with some nice shots. Caught him with a, a nice head kick. I, I just think Alex Pereira's going to catch him or something if this is the game plan. Um, but he's definitely, there's a, there's a route to victory for Bruno Silva here if he gets him down to the mat. Um, but I think that is definitely his, that's his route to victory. I, I, I like that one for him, so... I'm going to go with Alexander, sorry, with um, Alex Pereira. I think he's going to win this one. All right, then. So, on to the prelims, we've got Matthew Semmelsberger, Semi the Jedi, taking on AJ Fletcher, Dustin Poirier's little protege. That's maybe a little condescending. I don't, I don't mean it to sound like that, but I'm going to go with Semi the Jedi. I think he's going to be a lot bigger than AJ Fletcher. I think I look at his striking. This is going to be the difference. You know, Fletcher's coming in here as a grappler. Um, so, I, I do think that for me, He's just gonna. He's gonna have the faster hands. He's gonna have the the more powerful hands. Um, yeah, and because of that, I think I do like him in this one. I mean, don't listen. Don't get me wrong. Um, on the contender stage, you look at H.G. Fletcher's win last year. You know he can strike by the looks of things, but he is primarily a grappler. You know that's how he's winning his fights. Um, before then, and I do like Matthew Samuelsberger to just. Not be able to be taken down. I think he's going to be too heavy for him. I think he's going to be too big for him. Um, and I even think Samuelsberger might want to take him down. And, and you know, he's a decent grappler himself. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Samuelsberger. J.J. Aldridge and Gillian Robertson. Robertson? Robertson? I always called her Robertson, but I don't know if it's... I don't know which one it is. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to go with the slight favourite, Gillian Morrison, but I do. I like Jade Jolter's bo- uh, box and I like her pressure. Um, I think, in, you know, she's just great at one in rounds and one in fights. Um, she's still here, of course, from her tough days. She's managed to hang around and there's a reason for that. She's a good fighter. Um, yeah, I think it's an underdog, underdog pick, not bad at all, but I'm going to go with Gillian Roberson. I like her pressure too and I think if she can get this to the map, she's going to have success and I think she will. So I'm going to pick Gillian Roberson in here. I'm a big fan of hers. I think she'll get it done. Damon Jackson and Camuela Kirk. I'm going to go with Damon Jackson. This is another tough one. I just... As, as great as Cam Willer-Kirk is, I like his jiu-jitsu quite a lot. I just think Damon Jackson is more well-rounded. You know, I think he's really not quite got it going yet in the UFC. But, um, yeah, I do fancy him to get the one over a guy who's just a little more inexperienced, who's just, I, I don't think is kind of proven yet that, you know, Cam Willer-Kirk, I went over my back one, I'm your candy, he's your best one. It doesn't tell me too much. I'm going to pick Damon Jackson. Sabina Matso, Miranda Maverick. I like Matso's kicks a lot. I think, if you know, on the end of our combinations... She can cause Miranda Maverick some issues. I do like Sabina Matsu a lot. She's a good fighter, but Miranda Maverick is special, I think. So I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with Miranda Maverick. Uh, Cody Brundage versus Dalcha um, Lungambula. Did I pronounce that right? I'm going to go with Cody Brundage here. I do like Dalcha. He's powerful. We know what he's all about. But I think Cody, if he just kind of makes it gritty, he makes it boring, I suppose, you know. You know, chops the leg, gets on the inside, works in some wrestling. I like Cody Brundage to get the job done here. Guido Canetti versus Chris Moutinho, the zombie. Um, Guido Canetti, and neither of these guys are UFC caliber. Guido Canetti is not UFC caliber. I'm actually going to pick Chris Moutinho. He's a favorite here, which is madness because at least he showed me something in that Sean O'Malley fight. He has got toughness for days. Yeah, uh, Chris Moutinho's got heart. He's super tough. Guido Canetti should not be in the UFC, in my opinion. So I'm actually going to ride with the under, uh, sorry, with the favourite here, which is surprising that Chris Martino is actually the favourite in the UFC fight, but I think there's a reason for that. I'm going to go with him. Uh, Trevin Jones and Javid Bashura fighting out of Afghanistan. I've seen a lot of love for Trevin Jones on this line, and I get it considering he's the under, underdog here uh, when you consider his experience and, you know, the role that he's kind of been on. But I am going to go with Javid Basharat. I think he's special. You know, he's 11-0. Um, it might be a little bit too much too soon, so as I said, I understand that that why people like Trevin Jones in this one, and I think it's an underdog pick. He's certainly worth, um, worth a punt. But I do like Javid. I like his, uh, I like his leg kicks. I like his ability to get on the inside. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Basharat is special. So I'm gonna pick Javid Basharat here. Um, slightly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick him. And then um, Tafon Inchukwu versus, or sorry, Inchukwi versus Azamat Mirzakhanov. I think Tafon's probably more powerful, but I just like Azamat. Overall, I think he's you know he's he's probably got more experience. He's fought the better guys. Um, I think he's got good hand speed. I, I like his ability to kind of get on the inside and and probably win this one. So I'm going to go with Azamat Mirzakhanov um, to win that one there. That rounds out the cards and all of the the picks there. So in terms of my favorite bets for this card, then I'm only going to give you three. Um, I think I like Cody Brundage. I like his money line. Um, just as I said, I think there's definitely a path to victory for him to get this job done. And I think as an underdog. I actually quite fancy him, so I'm going to go with Cody Brundage here um, in that one. Maybe Damon Jackson's mon- money line as well. Um, I quite fancy that too. I think it's quite hard to find value on this card, I'm not going to lie. Or maybe not hard, I think there is value on this one. A lot of the lines are really close, but I think they're justified in this sort of an instance. So, um, yeah, I think I like those two. And I'll give you one more. I'm going to say... So Damon Jackson money line... Cody Brundage money line, and I'll give you one more. Let's go with 
I was going to say Azamat, uh, Mirza can all fight to go over one and a half, but it's not quite what I'd like it to be. Maybe the JG Aldridge, Jillian Roberson fight to go the distance. I'm not necessarily sure if it will or not. I think if you know Jillian Roberson gets us on the mat, she could definitely finish this one. But um, yeah, I think that those are my three my three best bets on this card. Then, if you enjoyed this, um, let me know. Please follow me on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Broken Orbital underscore. Also on Instagram and TikTok at Broken Orbital MMA. Um, listen to this anywhere: Spotify, YouTube. Uh, Amazon, Samsung, <laughs> Apple Podcasts for all of them. Uh, we'll be back next week for UFC Vegas Santos versus Ankalai of the Hangover, and we will be previewing next week's card, which I believe is UFC London. So I can't—I'm very familiar with all these fighters. I can't wait for this one. Uh, yeah, I'm buzzing for that. I'm definitely going to be doing a lot around that as well. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy the fights this Saturday, and um, yeah, I hope to see you soon. So yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.